never know where life is going to take you. Some people know exactly where they want to be and go for it full throttle. Others just stumble upon it organically, and then there are those who just follow their intuition. This is a podcast about reaching your personal best through resilience, motivation, and passion. This is Mark My Words. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Mark My Words, where today I have a very special guest on the show. He is a wildland firefighter. He is the creator of Mountain Mind Tricks, and he is also an author of two books. It is Thomas Worm, and that is spelled W-U-R-M, in case uh, anybody confuses that with other variations. I just wanted to make that clear. And uh, welcome to the show, Thomas. How are you doing today? Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'm just ecstatic to be here and, and to tell my story a little bit and hopefully inspire people and give them something to think about for sure. I'm already really inspired by your story. I've been obviously doing my homework preparing for this episode. And not only are you doing a lot of things beyond what I said in the intro here, but you just have a lot of wisdom and a lot of depth to really, you know, to just vocalize what you've been through and what you've experienced. And I'm really looking forward to hearing some more of your wisdom in this episode. So thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule and uh, joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it all starts with wildland firefighting. And, you know, I did that for 14 years. And that was such a wild ride of, you know, cutting down trees on fire and jumping out of helicopters and driving big trucks on mountain roads. And just everything that goes along with that job is pretty unseen to the average person. But when you know what the wildland firefighters do, it's, it's actually pretty insane, actually. I can only imagine because, uh, being on this side of the coin and having the life I've had, which has been a little more urban and suburban, not so much in the woods or in the mountains, although I kind of live near the mountains now, but uh, that's only pretty recent. But that's not really like my DNA. So I guess going through here, the first question that, really popped into my mind was how did you develop the passion? Like where does the passion to become a firefighter of any sort come from in your opinion? Yeah. So interesting is um, I'm actually third generation. So my grandparents, uh, my grandfather and grandmother, um, you know, before World War II, my grandfather was a fire lookout for the forest service on Mount Hood and my grandma was a fire lookout on Mount Adams on the Washington side of the river. So they were kind of messaging each other, like through signals and everything. And they ended up meeting down in Portland for some drinks. And that was the story. So such an awesome story to have in your family. And then uh, my father was also a wildland firefighter in California for many years. So I guess I just grew up with the stories of all the adrenaline and crazy things that happen out there on the line and in the mountains. And I just got really attracted to it. And I think by like 15 or 16, I was just like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that. And uh, I'm so happy I did. I learned so many things, so many life lessons. And, uh, you know, I did go through a lot of stuff, you know, it's, it's uh, you're almost at war with nature in a way out there, but it's also such a spiritual kind of exciting thing to do with your life. Yeah. So you were impacted by, uh, your heritage to become a firefighter. And that's really, uh, that's very interesting that you decided to keep that as a part of your lineage and continue that path. 
And uh, so you talk about the adrenaline that the rush that you got from doing it, but there's also another side to it where you learned that it was also impacting you in a different way. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, gosh, since I was like, I guess I grew up skateboarding and snowboarding. And so I've always kind of been an adrenaline junkie, right? So the wildland fire was just a, another extreme sport. You know, I'd spend the summers fighting fire in the winters in the backcountry skiing or traveling around the world. There's something in the winter. And so um, I guess I got kind of addicted to that adrenaline in a way. And, and after four, five, seven years in wildland fire, it was almost like that adrenaline got locked on full throttle, like always on. And so, you know, the nature of the job is like six months, you work for six months, like crazy. And then you're off for six months, which is a a great lifestyle, but there's also that all of a sudden it's November and you're back home and there's no fire. There's no nothing. It's like from 100 miles an hour to zero. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's really tough. That seasonality of the job is pretty hard on your mental health, actually. So with you, uh, do you think it was the off and on, the seasonality of it that really kind of got everything into your head? Like, I don't want to overstep any boundaries with the questions, but uh, just curious to know, like, what exactly happened? You know, you had this desire for the rush, but then something along the way uh, happened. Yeah, I would say uh, it's it's so interesting because there's so many moments I can think of that were exciting and scary and terrifying, but fun. And I think all those kind of added up. And also there was, um, you know, my, my engine captain passed away suddenly. And that was a moment for me that just destroyed me. That was really hard. And, uh, you know, he passed away at the age of 40 from a heart attack. And it was just like a uh, life altering event for me. And it was traumatic. And also I would say it took about a year for my body to really start processing everything. And and that's when like, I really started to experience anxiety, experience weird symptoms, uh, which really catapulted me into a pretty long healing journey, if you will. So this is something that obviously based on that occurrence is what, really prompted it so what for you kind of helped because there's so many things here so one thing that you talk about on your site which is mountainmindtricks.com and it's a plethora of wisdom and information um and obviously a reflection of your story but you said here and i'm probably going to paraphrase a little bit that at some point, you almost had to like teach your mind to uh, think a little differently about things, which I think is a lot. I, I meet a lot of entrepreneurs that I think have that aha moment where they realize that they have the control over their thought processes. And it looks like that's something you've really learned. And I'm guessing that that's something that really helped you. Yeah, absolutely. And through this healing journey, you know, there's a lot of acupuncture and, and alternative healing, but one of my mentors turned me on to NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming. And I would say that was kind of, you know, I already had this idea of, of we can choose our thoughts, you know, and, and I used affirmations and I used meditation and things like that. And when I found NLP and really got into it and got trained in it at the master level, it changed everything because it really gave me the tools to heal my own mind and also really understand what's happening when we have thoughts that are repeating or feelings that come up out of nowhere, or, you know, really it's how to work with mental health in such a different alternative way. So I just feel so blessed that I found that modality and that it just resonated for me so well. And, and I guess that's why, you know, the name sounds so weird mountain mind tricks, but I really, I took that NLP and I took it back to wildland firefighting and to get to the field. And I really tested it. Like I wanted to test it on myself and go back in the fire environment and, and see, and it's really those, 
those mind tricks are so powerful. So I love it. I actually think it's really brilliant branding for yourself. I think it really merges your two passions, uh, at least the two things I feel like you're most passionate about together. And I think it really says a lot. So I actually think it's really cool branding. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, it took me a long time to, to think of that name and, and it does, every time I hear it, I love it. Yeah, it's kind of like once you get such a brilliant name, like I didn't come up with the name for my podcast. Somebody else, somebody I met on Twitter like four or five years ago, they were like, oh, did you ever consider calling your blog Mark My Words? And I was like, a matter of fact, I didn't. That's actually really brilliant. And I wish I would have thought of that. And I have kept that in my pocket up until... I created this podcast. So that's really, that's even more impressive that you came up with all that on your own. I didn't. So. <laughs> oh man, I love it. I love your name too, the podcast. It's awesome. Yeah. Everybody winds up saying that, at least everybody that knows of the podcast, I guess I shouldn't be that egotistic. Maybe some people <laughs> don't like it, but everybody that I've talked to has really liked it. So I, I'm glad that I kept like hold, held on to it yeah it feels like uh definitely feels like the right thing so uh with all of that being said so you went through all this really deep stuff and you came out of it in a much better place and then along the way so you're you're kind of unique from a lot of people i've had on this podcast because a lot of people, it's kind of like a point A to point B where they, they're doing something, they transition to it and become an entrepreneur. And hopefully I'm not wrong. It, I know you said you've been a firefighter for 14 years. You're still doing it, correct? I would say that is in question this summer, actually, because the business is going so well. It's like, I'm not really sure I need to go back to fire. So, um, you know, I have the ability to go out for a couple of weeks at a time instead of doing six months, which is really nice. So that may be what happens. But, uh, you know, I'm not a full time firefighter anymore because I'm just so passionate about this and, and uh, just so happy to give to others. Wow. Well, then I, I think I might stand corrected. You are much more like all the other guests than I actually realized. Because yeah. I know uh, studying up for this episode, I had the impression that you were still doing both. So that's really great that uh, everything's taking off. And based on what you said, I suppose that's kind of your transition. Just things are going great. Yeah, you know, and that transition took, oh my gosh, at least two years of really taking baby steps, of getting the LLC, of writing a book. Like it took a lot of time for me to build to where I am now. And and uh, it's been a long journey to get there and, and to uh, transition fully. And I think the hardest thing was actually like truly letting go of, I guess, there's such a identity tied to job in our culture, but also in the firefighter, it's just so much deeper that it's like, who would I be without being a firefighter? That was probably the hardest part of the transition and really hard for me. So I'm happy to be through that and, and understand that process better now. Interesting. So what do you feel was kind of like the fork in the road moment in your journey and your transition as far as like, okay, I think I've hit the other side. I think this may actually become a full-time job for me. Yes. Yeah, so this summer I, I took a little bit of time off from the fires and I got um, my certification as a master practitioner in NLP and hypnosis and mental emotional release. Um, and so after that training, you know, I kind of, I used all those tools on myself and I field tested it this summer in California on all these fires and, this fall when I came back to, you know, came back home and really sat down and focused on the business, which, you know, I had some clients here and there, 
Um, but this, this fall, it really took off and, you know, it was really, um, a powerful moment for me that kind of everything was validated, you know, my offer, my business, um, everything I'd been working for, um, you know, something I was getting on podcasts and, and people were buying my book and it was just like such a, it was definitely a turning point. I would say this fall for sure. So what kind of people are you helping with all of the background that you now have obtained? Yeah. So, you know, I do work a lot with wildland firefighters still in, in uh, mental health specifically. I also work with entrepreneurs because there's so many uh, correlations to, you know, wildland firefighters, we focus on leadership. So I've been training in leadership for 14 years in the field and, and seeing, you know, wildland fire is so tricky because you can put in all this like fire line and have this big plan and everything's lined up and you have all the resources you need. And the fire burns up and burns it all over your line. And now you're back to square one. And it's like, that's exactly like entrepreneurship. So it, it resonates so much, the leadership, the mindset, and, and definitely like the peak performance you need in wildland fire and entrepreneurship. So, you know, I've blended those two. So those, those are the two audiences I work with. So in order to reach entrepreneurs, did they come to you or did you go to them? You know, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because it's so, um, it started with a lot of firefighters that were transitioning. Like I was like, Oh, I want to be a fitness trainer. I want to start my own business. I want to start my own tree company. Um, I want to start my own construction company. So it started like that. And I started to realize, you know what, there's, there's already entrepreneurs out there that, that need this too. So, um, you know, it's really just me reaching out and, and finding them so far, you know, and, and I imagine they're going to be attracted to me because of the leadership skills that I've, uh, you know, not only have, but I field tested in, in a real environment. So do you find that a lot of the people you've worked with in your firefighter, uh, community have kind of, I guess, uh, been, I guess, aspiring for something else? Or is it just something that's organically happening? I guess, in your case, I definitely feel like it was a very organic uh, occurrence. Yeah, you know, it's, I feel like most of the folks that I work with in the fire world are, they're stuck in their career. They've been in the same position for the last, you know, 10 years, or they're really unhappy because their relationships are broken and they're on their third divorce, or they have some serious trauma going on. And it's, um, there's so much, I guess, mental strain and chronic fatigue and all the things that go into wildland fire with the poor nutrition and how beat up our bodies get all, there's just so many things. Um, and so they're struggling with that. Just being a wildland firefighter for a long term is is pretty hardcore on your mind and your body. So usually though, they're they're stuck somewhere. They're stuck in their career and relationships and finances is is usually where I focus. Interesting because as you're talking, not that what I do is certainly, you know, fighting fires. I mean I I guess you could say I put out fires, so to speak, quote unquote, because <laughs> uh, I I won't say where I work. I'm, I don't think I'm supposed to say where I work, so I definitely won't. But I basically work in like the broadcast media industry, and I deal with live broadcast media. So lots of different things going on, like lots of uh, different. Uh, entities all at the same time I guess I'll just say channels that I'm dealing with and uh, you know we'll lose connections and things like that and a lot of calls all at the same time sometimes there will be several outages all at the same time and yeah it's like you know metaphorically putting out fires and I just kind of relate that to you certainly not I, I want to emphasize it is not, and I repeat, not the same thing. Because <laughs> what you're doing is way more hardcore than what I'm doing. But <laughs> yeah, but I, I, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm kind of relating some of this because I feel like 
with all that stress that people like me and my field have to deal with, especially that part of it where it's like live, lots of eyeballs are watching and it can become very stressful and it can get to a point where you're just like, okay, I wonder if there's uh, something else that, you know, another passion that I could get into. So based on just listening to you, it feels like, you know, just the nutrition part of it. Because again, I'm not out there, certainly not buying fires or anything like that, but it's kind of like the opposite where you're sitting stationary for hours and hours and that wears on your health in a different kind of way. And uh, I feel like even though we're two very different uh, paths and walks of life, I mean, I'm from Pennsylvania and you're at the very least from Montana. And I don't know if you're actually from Montana, but uh, yeah, it's just amazing the parallels, even though we're from quote unquote different worlds. And that's, it, it just goes to show how much we're alike, even though we're so different. Right. I love that. Yeah. I love it. Uh, the similarity to totally different worlds. And, and that's, what's so interesting about the wildland fired entrepreneur stuff is just like, it just translates. Like you're saying, it's so interesting. And um, yeah, thank you for pointing that out. Oh yeah. No, I mean, as soon as I heard you telling the stories, which is exactly why one of the things I wanted to learn about you, because it's not every day that you meet a wildland firefighter. And I just think it's so fascinating, just the way you got into it and got interested. I mean, I am not, I guess one of the differences between you and I as well is that you spoke of being like an adrenaline junkie and I know that what I'm doing could possibly be something you would be like, again, I could be wrong, but a little bit of like an adrenaline rush. Like it's almost a little bit of a rush, but I am not an adrenaline junkie (laughs) by any means. I mean, I've never been out snowboarding. And if I see any fire at all, I make sure I go the other way immediately. (laughs) So I'm definitely not pursuing adrenaline at all so that's just really interesting the parallels yeah i love it yeah the the adrenaline is i think it comes down to like flow state and really i was chasing that state of mind and you know on my snowboard or skateboard and eventually went to fire to chase that state of mind and it's so similar to surfing or or snowboarding or any of those sports where you're kind of you're outside, you're, you're connected to nature, but you're also just kind of letting go of your mind and your body. So you're just kind of in that moment. And that's when, you know, when everything goes crazy on a wildland fire and it's like, you're in the moment, it's kind of like now or never, or, um, you know, this one operation's like either going to save it or you're going to lose it. It's that moment that you kind of get into that state that you can't really explain with words. It's almost, um, like extra sensory type feelings come up, like your gut instincts, your intuition, or um, you just tap into so much more in that moment. It's, it's pretty amazing. So you mentioned that through the process of transitioning into entrepreneurship, you had a moment somewhere along the line where you found like a lot of inner peace. Now, everything you're telling me kind of, speaks to like the kind of in the moment focus that you need for all these things like surfing, snowboarding, just all this adrenaline stuff. And I'm curious to know, do you think that that mindset, even though it's so different from finding inner peace, do you think that that helped you to really find your way and your calm and your peace? Yeah. What's so interesting is like, uh, I think getting into that state was I chased it and I loved it, 
but it's also what I, I learned to listen to my gut instinct, you know, in so many life or death situations of like, you know, I'd walk up to a tree with my chainsaw, the tree's on fire and I'm looking it up I'm like, okay, do I want to cut this tree or do I not? And I would sit there and just listen to my gut instinct and be like, yes or no. And I'd be like, and I would get an answer. I'm like, okay, well, that's what I'm going with. And I learned to really trust that. Um, and I think that has translated so much, so much to now where, you know, if I make a decision in business or finance or whatever it is in marketing or, or whatever, it's like, I can go into that state and say, okay, do I want to do this? Yes or no. And I get an answer. And that's, uh, it's so powerful to be able to trust yourself like that, even though it's like, well, I don't really know what's going to come out of this, but I trust that it's the right answer. And, and that's, um, that's really important for entrepreneurs, isn't it? Uh, I would say so. I mean, not that I'm a full-fledged entrepreneur at this point, but uh, I know I personally, even though I've gotten better at trusting my intuition as my life has progressed, I'm one to kind of like kick back and think things over a little bit. And it sounds to me like that is not in your DNA, correct? <laughs> yeah, it took some time to like really wrestle with that. Yeah, most people are like, well, I need to make a list and a pros or cons or this and that. And it's like, I've learned to do this so well in the fire environment. I've just took it into my personal life. And now it's like, I'm, I, I make decisions really fast and, and people that I work with are like, man, you just move so fast on things. It's like, yeah, cause I know or a fact that's what I'm supposed to do right now. And, uh, it's, you know, it's, um, of course I've made mistakes doing that, of course, but it's, I, I do trust it more than my rational mind sometimes, which is interesting. Do you ever have any like real quick decisions you've made where, you've wound up regretting it or is it just no regrets? This is how you feel. Um, let's see. Hmm. Um, gosh, really quick decisions that I regretted. You know, I, I don't, I can't really like think of anything specific right now that like I have a big regret over it because it's, um, I guess in fire, it's so much like when you make a decision, it's like, everything's changing constantly so much that if you make a decision, that's not the best decision, at least you made one on the information you had at the moment. You, you tried your best. So I feel like I've always been doing that, like trying my best with what I have. So speaking of decisions, I'm looking at some of my notes here. Cause again, your site is just, everything's so well worded. It's no surprise to me that you're a two time author because you write like really really well um so you talked about at one point and i just plucked out things that i thought were really interesting you said something about talking about whispers of a good life because you made good money and you certainly don't have to talk about what that good money means but from what i got from that was that you might have uh, kind of had a little bit of a internal struggle with that, uh, or I could be wrong. Could you speak to that a little? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's it's something that speaks to a broader problem of the wildland firefighters don't get paid what they deserve at all. So it's you're risking your life for you know, like $15 an hour, $18 an hour. Um, you know, so I worked really hard to get to a better wage than that, like 10 years, 12 years to get to that. Um, so I always struggled with money in that way. And also I think it's so interesting because I, like, I would say year six or seven out of 14, I started getting like, are you sure you really, really want to be doing this? Like, is this really the path that you want to do? And, and I just always had this idea, like what, like I, for so many years, I guess there was this, I could never do anything but fire. Like that's, I believe that I believe that for, for a long time. And it took, it took a lot of events and a lot of healing to understand that that was just myself limiting myself. And, and that journey of understanding, you know, uh, I can be more than a firefighter. That was, that was really big for me when that came through. Wow, that, that's really mind-blowing because I can't think of too many things that are more 
courageous and uh, worthy of tremendous amounts of respect and like million dollar an hour uh, pay than what you're doing. I mean, it's just, I, I know I for one never, other than seeing Smokey the Bear on TV, I never once thought about doing anything that you've done. And I know that you developed that passion through your, uh, just through your family history, but was there ever anything else that you were like, boy, maybe I'll become like a, I don't know, I don't know, financial analyst or, you know, whatever the case, did you ever have any thought of doing anything else or was this truly just it? Yeah, it's so interesting because I remember in high school, there was a moment of, I was looking at like colleges and looking at this and that. And I was pretty determined to go to acupuncture school. And oh, wow! I remember like, I want to be an acupuncturist. I love Chinese medicine. I still love Chinese medicine to this day. Um, and I don't remember exactly how it all rolled out, but I remember there was like this moment of, I can't really afford that. I'm just going to go to, I'm just going to go fight fire. Um, and, and I think that was like back to that same question you asked before of like this, this thing about money, right. It's like being successful is like, it just didn't seem in my reach, you know? And, and so I always wanted to be an acupuncturist, a healer. And I, I forgot about it until I went through this healing journey and I worked with this acupuncturist and was like, oh, this is what I was actually supposed to be doing was helping other people and, and healing them and, and working with them. And so now I would say I do the same thing. I just use words instead of needles. And it's interesting because you all throughout your just listening to all your passions, it's always about helping other people. But there's like an extreme to it because you got the adrenaline. Obviously, something like snowboarding only helps you, I guess. But, you know, just being a firefighter, helping other people acupuncture is helping other people the offering the podcast all these other things that you're doing are helping other people but there's like such a calm and there's such a rush I don't know if you've ever really thought about that much or know where that uh, extreme might have come from yeah it's so interesting I think um you know, it took me a long time to see firefighting as helping other people, you know, because sometimes it was like, oh, we're just out here in the middle of the wilderness cutting down trees or this and that, or, but really we do spend a lot of time burning out around houses or cleaning up their yards before the fire comes. Like we do help people so much. Uh, it's such a selfless job. So I'm glad to have that perspective now. And I think, you know, think about the extremes of, of how I love to be so calm and I love meditation and I love becoming centered. I also love, loved that, uh, adrenaline rush. And I think because it, it brought me back to that calm state, I think it all comes back to that of going back into that flow state that I found in skateboarding, snowboarding and firefighting. It really comes down to flow state in that moment of really like total body joy. Um, but I think there is like, in the firefighting, I was chasing that feeling. Like I wasn't really uh, acquiring it so much because there was so much, uh, so much, so many other negative emotions, you know, like I feel like I was really angry throughout my fire career and I used that to hike faster. I used that to cut trees better. I used that so many different ways. So it was interesting when I learned to release my anger, it's like, oh, what do I do now? How do I even fight fire without the anger? Like that's a whole different aspect. So it's really interesting. What do you think you were angry about? Oh, um, well, uh, my parents went through a crazy divorce growing up when I was about 10 and it was just like so much anger. Um, you know, we can dive way deeper into that if you want to. Um, but really that, that event was pretty traumatic for me. Uh, pretty like, you know, there is police and uh, jail time and all that sorts of weird stuff. So there was trauma there and it's just anger at my dad, anger for leaving me anger. Um, you know, I've really turned into 
a crazy angry teenager. And that's, I think when I started chasing that calm feeling of like, okay, I've gotten a skateboarding and, um, gotten a snowboarding and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, there, there was a lot of heavy anger for a lot of years through all that. Interesting. So that really, uh, kind of came to a head while you were out there, uh, just releasing all that through all of your firefighting and other extreme endeavors. Right. And it was like, I could, Oh, I could just beat the crap out of the ground with my ax. I could do all the things in the world. You know, I could just be screaming out there, cutting trees. Like I was, I would just release it, but it would never go away. It was like endless anger. Uh, and until I found the NLP stuff and the acupuncture, um, that's when I really learned to like process and honor those emotions. And that's, I would say that was a big turning point for me, like personally and in, in like in my, mental health and my physical health was like learning to really honor and process the anger and not just, um, you know, throwing it out in the world, I guess. So did you find acupuncture before you got into your wildfire wildlife life? I can't even talk your firefighting (laughs) career or was it like during, or as you were picking it up? I would say the last, um, like, two years of my fire career, I I started going to acupuncture. So I knew about it. I always wanted to try it. Um, and when I finally went, it was just like the best experience my entire life. And it's, it's still one of my favorite things in the world. I just love it so much. So with acupuncture, you said that you've thought about that in an earlier phase of your life, if I'm understanding right. So So did you, um, just kind of have that in the back of your mind for all those years? I think I totally forgot about it. Like I, I knew about it. I would see it once in a while, but it never really registered until I guess like I had some severe anxiety and the health problems I was talking about earlier. It was just like really hard, really, really hardcore stuff going on. So I turned to acupuncture. Yeah. It's interesting because when I think about, how I got into creating this podcast and doing this blog or doing a blog that I haven't written in a long time. I'm probably going to wind up closing. That's another story. But uh, I, I feel like there was a dream for me to become a writer and speaker when I was younger. And then I too just kind of, I don't know if I completely forgot about it, but I definitely stored it away in the back of my mind and I think as I got into the corporate world I was like well I gotta climb the ladder I gotta work towards promotions I gotta work towards all these goals and I kind of just got away from what was more personal to me and it sounds like that was not really the case for you Sounds like what was personal to you was what you were brought up with and you just carried it on. I guess the legacy you carried on. I think that's so interesting because I would, I would agree that it was, or I think it's so similar because I feel like I just kind of got lost in somebody else's dream for a long time and to my family's dream of, of firefighting and all that stuff. So I think it's just like you of, of the corporate world instead of writing and, and doing the things you really want to do. For me, it was firefighting instead of being a healer and really stepping into, you know, my own light and really being who I wanted to be. Um, and I always felt out of place in firefighting. Like, you know, I'm really spiritual. I'm into like quantum physics and all the crazy spirituality stuff. Right. So meditation, all those things. And it's just like, that's just odd for a firefighter, right? That's just totally different. Um, it's so always felt a little, you know, odd man out if you will, or, or things like that. So it's just interesting of, um, yeah, it took me a long time to realize like, yeah, you don't really fit in this. Like it took a long time to even realize that. Right. That's really interesting. I mean, you're talking to somebody who, felt that way through a lot of phases of their life like I just always felt a little out of place I 
actually feel like at least socially and within the media culture I'm in, my current job, I almost feel like this is the best I've fit in anywhere in a really long time. And uh, it's interesting that you kind of like felt that way along your journey. And I could almost kind of see that because just from talking to you and, you know, just seeing you and everything else, you definitely seem more like you would be like a scientist or something like that. I, I would never have guessed firefighter. Oh, I appreciate that. That's, that's really funny. I, I like, I like that. And, um, gosh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, Oh, there goes snow off my roof. <laughs> How um, much snow have you guys gotten out there? Um, we got 80 inches last week eight, and whoa, wait, 80 yeah. inches last week. Yeah. There's about six feet in the front yard here. So Holy smoke. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually in uh, Jackson hole, Wyoming right now. So, um, yeah. Anyway, oh shoot, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I did that. No, usually, no, it was the snow. <laughs> yeah, usually there comes a point where I lose my train of thought, which is fine. <laughs> I can handle that. But no, please uh have first of all, have you found it? How about, sorry, can you repeat the question? Have you I found, found your train of thought? No, no, <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> well, I have a thought and I'm sorry you lost your train of thought. I'm still trying to process the 80 inches that you're getting out there. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah. We're supposed to get a storm tonight that might bring half a foot. I mean, <laughs> you know, big deal. <laughs> right. Right. But uh, I'm just thinking a little bit about, you know, you talked a lot about family and kind of almost feeling like this was the passion and the path that you needed to take. And I know that for me, I had a lot of different dreams. And I think the, the actual career that I wound up taking, which is uh, broadcast media, was something that I always had a passion for. I would take apart black and white TVs and look at them and try to play with them and do all kinds of things with them growing up. And always had like a fascination for radio and television and how do they get these people, like where do they come from and what are they like and how do they get there? And I actually think part of that, you know, I'm just realizing that I think I've had that passion all through my life. I think this is actually one of the reasons for this podcast is just, I have a passion for just knowing what people are like. And I, that goes all the way back to discovering, you know, sitcoms and watching MTV as a kid. But I digress. I'll get back on track with my point. My point is I was really kind of like discouraged from following the paths that I wanted to take. And it actually got to a point where one of my parents were like, well, why don't you just get an effing business degree? And, you know, you're talking to somebody who is absolutely terrible with numbers and math. And I somehow found a way to get through it all, but I do not belong with like, I don't know, Goldman Sachs or anything like that. Like I shouldn't be doing like that kind of business or anything with numbers. I'm just, I'm probably a little better than I give myself credit for, but I shouldn't be pursuing like a business degree where I could juggle numbers or a career in that way. And it was frustrating for me because I wanted to go to a particular college. I couple different ideas where they had good programs for what I wanted to do and I almost had to like drop out of school and show that hey I'm not passionate about what I'm doing I need to be doing what I'm actually passionate about like I know what I want to do so I don't know if you ever had any moments like that or if it was just mostly internal for you 
I would say I was so passionate about my wildland fire career. It's like all I could think about. It's all I cared about for so many years. And it took, you know, unfortunately my captain passing away to like, wake me up to like, Oh, wait a minute. I don't, I'm not sure if this is exactly what I want to do. Um, what's really interesting is, um, I would say one of the dreams I have that I'm working toward is like to go to college and like, as, as weird as that sounds, it's like, that's something I've wanted for so long. And, and it goes back to that moment. Like I was talking about with the, the acupuncture school in high school of like, Oh, I don't have the money for that. And it's like, well, you know what? I have the money now. Like I would like to go to college and, and uh, you know, look at it like a psychology degree or something like that. And so it's um, it's so interesting how, you know, do I need a college degree to be an entrepreneur? Like no way, but it's something that is so calling to me. That's like just for my own personal satisfaction, I guess. Um, because, you know, I guess in these days, college degrees don't mean a lot anymore in some ways. And it's, you know, I'm excited to go to college. I'm excited to, um, I don't know, learn more. So is that something you're actually going to follow through on? Are you working on enrolling? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I haven't registered yet and I'm not exactly sure on which term I'm going to do if it's going to be the summer or fall, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited at least like take a couple classes and make sure it's what I want to do before I like really dive in. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's going to have to be that, you know, of course, life work balance of school and work and all that stuff. So um, yeah, it's interesting. That's awesome. I mean, it's never too late to go back. I know, I have also toyed with the idea of going back just to uh, become, I guess, more of a educator in my field. And that's something that I have mostly thought about, but haven't really followed through on a lot because frankly, there aren't enough hours in the day, which I think you can speak to very well. Um but yeah, that's amazing that you're even thinking about doing that after everything you've done, you've built up a business. I mean, you don't necessarily have to do that, but I could totally see you doing that. And I'd be curious to know if along the way you would kind of wish that you had more time to fit that in. I'm guessing probably yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's just this pattern, I'd say my first five or six years of fire of like, oh, I'll go to school next year. I'll, I'll you know, I'll take a short season to go to school next year. And so it's just like, it's just been something I've wanted to do for so long that I'm like, I'm really excited about that. Like, I just want to do it and, and enjoy it and uh, have some satisfaction out of it. Yeah. So is your goal to get like an actual bachelor's or are you going to try to actually declare a major? Yes, I'm, I'm going for um, a business degree with a minor in like pre-counseling. So like psychology and uh, you know, with the idea of potentially getting a master's for therapy and things like that, um, you know, because sometimes me and therapists don't really agree on things in some ways because I'm alternative. It's like, you know, asking a medical doctor about chiropractors, it doesn't really match up sometimes. And so I, I do want to learn more about their side of things and, and really dive deep into the science of therapy where, you know, what I do is, is I get the results where therapy sometimes doesn't. And uh, which is really, I guess, similar to the medical field in that way too. Right. Right. Um, I want to actually segue kind of into what you're doing because I look at your site and I know that you actually talked about or uh, previously talked about your NLP and hypnosis. And you're actually the second person I've had on this year who has talked about hypnosis. And I, for one, have uh, kind of a animated, cartoony, sitcom type of uh, perspective on what hypnosis is where you know they dangle something in front of your face and suddenly you know you're a different person I learned in a previous podcast and I mean I, I kind of know that realistically already but I know 
you know, just from the last person I talked about, it, it doesn't work that way at all. And I'd be curious to just get a little bit of a insight on what all of that means to you and what you do. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm a master practitioner in NLP and hypnosis and mental emotional release, which is a really specific technique. And, and I do want to talk about that, but specifically on the hypnosis, um, yeah, you're right. There's this stigma. There's this idea of, you know, the stage hypnotist that's making the people like cluck like chickens and all that crazy <laughs> stuff that we see on TV, right? Like that's yeah. exactly what people think. So you're right. Um, and what hypnosis really is, it's like that moment when you're driving in your car, you're going down the highway, you're listening to that awesome song, the sun is just right. And you're just kind of like fade out or you're kind of like zoned out, right? that's hypnosis. That's where the hypnotist is taking you is to that state to where basically your rational thinking mind kind of falls away and it's just you into that relaxed state. And uh, what's really interesting is that's where we can do so much work, you know, for, you know, what we believe about ourselves, what we think about ourselves, what feelings we're, you know, releasing negative emotions, all sorts of things. So there's a lot of therapeutic value and, um, and really it's all about letting ourselves believe what we want to believe and changing our beliefs and hypnosis. And it's, it's so powerful. There's, uh, so many testimonials. There's so much science behind it. It's, it's really, you can go on for days about that. And all I can say is that hypnosis is one of my favorite things because it's, I look at it as like clinical shamanism. It's very like a Western world avenue to go into shamanic changes or shamanic healing because we really are like just changing a symbol and somebody's like kind of vision or somebody's idea of something just changing like um say a book on a bookshelf changing that into something completely different actually changes the way they feel and think so when we go into somebody's hypnosis uh, world and we start changing things, it really does help them in such dramatic ways. So it's, it's, it's weird. It's different, but it works. You said something really interesting. I never thought about music as a form of like hypnosis. That has never occurred to me. And if that's the case, I am like beyond hypnotized by many many uh people out there yeah that's it's really an interesting parallel on that front and one thing a little more seriously um how do you feel this part of your background helps and coincides with your work as a fitness trainer uh, athletic nutritionist, a coach, how does it help you? Oh, it's so interesting because, um, I guess in mental health, there's like classically, it's all about medications and talking about your problems. And there's definitely some merit to all that stuff. But to me, the first step in any sort of, uh, mental health or physical health, but really mental health is nutrition. We really got to get your nutrition on track and get the supplements right because there's a major scientific evidence to like B6 deficiencies, vitamin D deficiencies are connected to anxiety and depression. It's almost, uh, they're parallel. You'll see deficiencies and then the symptoms. Um, so there's the nutrition piece that really helps me and it helps me to understand, uh, how our, how the food really affects our mind and our body. And then the fitness training is something I picked up just from, you know, in wildland firefighting, we are, um, I would say like super athletes. We're on par with Olympic athletes in a lot of ways. So we train super hard and we train like, uh, like professional athletes all the time. And so that was something I picked up. And, and what's interesting is I find myself using it with a lot of clients of, um, we go through, you know, a breakthrough session, which is like the mental, emotional release and hypnosis and NLP. And afterwards, a lot of people have, maybe they want to lose weight or maybe they want to be healthier. Maybe they want to, they're working on a medical condition or something like that. And I'm not a doctor, but I can definitely help them, 
uh, find those daily habits of exercise, of nutrition, of things that are going to really not just change their mind, but change their body. So it's, it's kind of a full spectrum way of looking at mental health. And it's interesting. You talked about uh, shaman and shamanistic. Do you consider yourself a shaman of sorts? <laughs> That's funny. Um, maybe someday, you know, I am being mentored by a shaman in the Lakota uh, Lakota, um, teachings. So, you know, I've, I've gone through the sweat lodge and some other, um, ceremonies and things like that. So I'm slowly learning some shamanism and there's, I would say there is some energy work that goes into what I do as well. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't say I'm not a shaman yet, but I'm learning. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I asked that question not really knowing how you would respond. I <laughs> didn't know if that would be like a silly question or if that was actually a legitimate thought on my part. <laughs> uh, no, I, I appreciate it. I, I love that question. Thank you. So uh, with all of this being covered, I guess one thing that I haven't really talked about much are uh, your books you have awakened by heart fire and i didn't actually say the entire title on here and you have another one overcome anxiety like a hero did you want to talk about your books a little bit yeah i appreciate that um yeah overcoming anxiety like a hero was the first book i wrote and uh it really is kind of a you know, it was a little bit of a healing journey for me just to write it, but it's also kind of what I learned about anxiety, going through severe anxiety and, and actually, um, you know, I would say I don't have anxiety anymore. It's completely gone. And so what I learned through all that process of, you know, nutrition of how we think of like all those tools and tips that I picked up along the way is in that book. And so, and it's really formatted into your own hero's journey. So it kind of takes you through that process of, of going through that classic hero's journey. Um, and Awakened by Heartfire was the second book I wrote. And that one is very deep and spiritual. And it really goes in depth into a lot of my healing journey. Um, so there's a little bit of story in there about me. I would say it's kind of broken up into stories and then techniques and kind of self-help things. And what it does is it really looks at the wild and fire environment more in a spiritual sense and what was really going on and like working with the consciousness of fire with all sorts of stuff that's going on in nature definitely more of a shamanistic way of looking at fire and and a lot of the lessons I took from being a firefighter spiritually. Uh, and so that book has a whole meditation series that goes along with it that really guides the reader into some of the tools I learned like protection meditations and grounding and, and learning how to open up our heart center and things like that. So, you know, it's uh, the subtitles actually wildland fire stories and the secrets to the universe. Um, so it's, you know, it's very spiritual. If, if you don't like quantum mechanics or new age stuff, then you probably don't want to read it. But it, if you're into that, you're going to love it. I myself would think that uh, anybody would probably be interested in hearing what you have to say. And maybe that I'm saying that I'm biased because I had you on this show and I'm like really fascinated just from your thought processes and how you've taken what you've learned along the way and just the way you process everything is just so cool and in some ways, very similar to me, but in other ways, like completely different. And I just think it, while it's different, it's like really good. I feel like people could really learn something from you and really pick up some value from either your services or just probably by picking up your books, which I personally definitely want to at some point pick up one of these and, uh, Rhythm, because uh, you you are like very inspiring and fascinating, and uh, yeah, just amazing to hear you talk about just mind control, spirituality, like 
really awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk today. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And, and, you know, I think there's, I do have my own podcast, the sacred ancestry podcast, and I'm always talking about these things. So if there's anybody interested in, in these ideas, um, you know, make sure to check out the show for sure. Yeah. Also that's something I feel like I go having up hours in the day. I, I know I checked out one episode that you were on of somebody else's, I believe. Let's see. Oh, yeah, we, so I didn't want to really get into this, but the episode 58, unless you want to talk about it, uh, your, your near-death experience, it changed oh. your life. Yeah, so, you know, back to, you know, my parents getting divorced, I was like a really crazy teenager going through a lot of anger, I was in anger management, um, you got really bad, you know, I turned to drugs, I turned to, um, really hardcore, like cutting myself. Like I really went through a lot as a teenager, um, to where I did have an overdose experience on pills and alcohol. And, and it wasn't a classic, like light through the tunnel type thing. It was just, um, when I went to the other side that in that experience, it was just blackness. Um, there was nothing, there was nothing even to feel. Um, and I think I was so lost in life at that time. I didn't really have connection to anything else. So I definitely don't think that's the afterlife by any means for me. It's just, uh, it was a wake up call. And what ended up happening after that, you know, for, for so long, I wasn't too sure. Was that a real near death experience? I don't know. Um, but what happened after that is that the next day I quit all the drugs I started reading two or three books a week that weren't even in school. I started meditating. I started going to Kung Fu class and yoga classes and Tai Chi and all this stuff. So I literally had a 180 in life uh, the day after that. So that's, what's convinced me that something really, really powerful happened to me that night. Um, and, you know, thank God, because I was really on a, on a really bad path. So I'm, I'm grateful for it. You know, I, I learned so much. And I feel like we could go down such a rabbit hole with this topic. And uh, I know I, I listened to quite a bit of this episode. I didn't know if that was something you'd want to talk about. So I appreciate you opening up a little bit on that. And I highly uh, recommend anybody listening or watching to uh, find that on Thomas's website. It's uh, really fascinating. And I will say... You're the second person I've talked to in recent years that has had like a near-death experience who said the same kind of thing where it was like there was just nothing during your experience. And you know, <laughs> excuse me, hearing that is like, oh man, like that's enough of a wake-up call even for me. So <laughs> that's, that's just really, because again, we could go through a rabbit hole and I know we're trying to wrap up but I have my like vision of what the afterlife and reincarnation and all that would look like or what it would be and uh that's like the one avenue nobody wants to take that well maybe you know is that really it like so yeah 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 I it yeah. What's so interesting is there's, I, I started reading a lot about it. You know, I heard something on a podcast, like a researcher that was actually doing studies about this. And, and she was saying that around, you know, like 10 to 15% of people report that like nothingness and the rest of like, you know, there's a couple of different experiences that are really common, like the ancestor, like family coming, the, the white tunnel of light, all those things. And it's, you know, to me, after all the spiritual, weird spiritual things I've had happen to me in life, I really think we have a choice. That's my, that's, that's my two cents on is that we have a choice. Yeah. It's interesting. When I think about going to the light, I think about how weird it would be for me, somebody who's lived through the late 20th century, early 21st century to meet up with somebody who lived in like, I don't know, the 19th century or early part of the 20th century, even though they could be family or somebody else connected, like, what would that be like? That's, again, I could go down a real rabbit hole with this, but oh, yeah. I, 
I just wanted to encourage people to check that out. I thought that was a really interesting part of your story. And uh, really just want to give you a chance to talk about how if anybody wants to work with you or contact you, obviously you have mountainmindtricks.com that they can find a lot on you, but do you want to add anything else to that? Yeah. So, you know, you know, there's mountainmindtricks.com and that's the major place to find everything. I also have integrativeentrepreneurship.com if you're an entrepreneur, um, you know, Sacred Ancestry Podcast, and you can find me on Facebook at Thomas M. Worm and Instagram at Mountain Mind Tricks. So that's, that's all the places you can find me. Um, you know, my books are on Amazon, the podcast is on everything, all the other apps, you know, Apple, Spotify, all that. So, um, you know, yeah, check it out. And, and what I can say about, you know, what I do is, is the breakthrough sessions are pretty life transforming. And, and if you're stuck somewhere in life, you know, please, please reach out because I can help you. So. I have no doubt about that. And, uh, Again, this was really uh, fascinating and just, again, insight on uh, what it's like to be a firefighter and to do something just so courageous like that. I mean, it's just really amazing to me. And uh, it's something that I I know somebody like me would never do. So I you have like my respect and then some for everything you've done. So um, I thank you for taking some time out and being on Mark My Words. And I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add, but uh, if not, then that might be it for our time. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And, and, Um, something I want to say is I think, you know, whatever you think you are, you're just so much more than that. And, and, uh, I just appreciate everybody listening and, and, uh, listening to the story. And I hope I provided some inspiration or value for you. So thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And believe me, what you said just now, it took me a long time to learn that. And I think I'm just starting to like live that now because I've been through so much in my life where I didn't really know where my value was or if I had value at all and uh, I've come to learn that there is a lot more value in all of us than we probably realize and that's a whole nother rabbit hole but uh, I just wanted to kind of put my two cents into that thought because I hope people take that to heart. That's uh, that's something that I it took me way too long to learn. So with that being said, that's it for uh, this episode. Thank you to Thomas Worm for being on the show. And we'll be back uh, soon with a new episode. Thanks for listening, everybody.